yeah, I've been uh, spending a lot of time with youth lately, and I realized that you can say all you like, you can you can preach it, you can do whatever, you can show them the verses, but if they don't see it, then you are completely wasting your time. And um, so I want to share on James 2, verse 22. And you can all page there. I've arranged with some teenagers to help me read this morning. Um, so Ruby will be up first. But before she comes and she reads this for us, um, in preparing for this message, I, I was reminded of, uh, there's a pastor and an author, a well-known guy. He uses this example. He says, imagine you... This is school holiday now. Before you go to work, you have this teenager or this child in the house. And their room is an absolute mess. It's a disaster. And you tell them, look, you have all day to clean your room. All day. Tonight when I come back or this afternoon when I arrive back, your room should be cleaned out. Like everything in order, clean it out, have it fixed. And so you go to work. Tonight you come back. And you find that room completely still in a, in a mess, in a state. And so you ask your, your teenager, what's this? I, I gave you one job to do today, just clean your room. And that teenager tells you, yeah, but dad, um, I was praying about this all day. And I was really considering this. And I even invited some friends. We had a study group to, to imagine what the impact would be if I cleaned my room. We made a WhatsApp group. It's called the Room Cleaners. And I've been planning this all day. Would you be impressed? No. It's, that's, they're not even close. You were given an instruction, and you can talk all you like. The instruction at the end of the day was not done. So just, I'll probably get back to this eventually, but with that in mind, Ruby, would you come read that? passage that I asked you. So Ruby is going to read from the ESV, if you'd like to follow her in James 2, from verse 14, right? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the, the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abram believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. As he was called a friend of God, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So in that passage, this was like there was this debate back in the day about works. And I mean, you can understand this. People were coming just from the law, and they had like a checklist. So you can gauge yourself. I've done this. I've done that. But now Jesus came along, ruined that for them, and now they're all just trying to grab an old and what do we do? How do we make sure we're actually saved? And so James does not at all disagree 
um, that you are saved by faith alone. You can, if you'd like to write that down, Romans 3 verse 28 or Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9, it confirms the Bible all through the New Testament confirms that you are saved by faith, not by works. You can't work your way into heaven. There's no such thing. By faith alone. But what James is saying, and this is eventually where I would like to end up, is the world can have good works without faith. But we as born-again Christians cannot have faith without it leading to good works. There's no way. You see, James in verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have good works? He ends it off by saying, can that faith save him? So if you have faith that's not leading you to do good works, James is actually questioning your faith. That is that faith actually good enough to save you at the end of the day? Verse 17 says, So also by faith itself, if it does not have good works, it's dead. So you can, you can believe all you'd like, but if it doesn't lead to you doing something about it, that faith is dead. And then in verse 20, we're still in James 2. Verse 20, James kind of starts putting evidence on the table for what he just said. And um, he uses the story of Abraham. And I know some people might look at this and say the context is feeding the poor and, and so on. But James is talking about works that shows our faith. Abraham was not about to feed poor people when, he, he, when this thing happens. So he chose this story to teach us something so in genesis 22 and we all know the story abraham is walking up building the altar and he has his son with him and god asks him to, to sacrifice his son and after last week's sermon i was struggling with this i was like god but you know all things you know the heart of man you know all secrets you know everything couldn't god just have said to abraham you know i know your heart, I know if, you, if I ask you this, then you'll probably do it. But no, God actually waited for him until the last minute of his actions. In Genesis 22, verse 11 to 12. But the angel of the Lord called out to, to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So it's at the moment, literally, Abram has, he has a knife in the air and he's about to slaughter his son. His promise that God gave him, God said he's going to be the father of many nations. And here is his only bloodline and God is asking him to sacrifice that. And just as he's about to do it, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, okay, whoa. Now I know that you do not withhold from me. I know you now. When you have absolutely no time, God is going to ask you for more time. When you have no money, God will come to you when you are at your most broke you've ever been, and then he will ask you, I need you to give. And when you have absolutely no love, there's a guy in front of the petrol station where I work. He, he comes to me and says, I'm all peopled out now. Just don't give me more people. When you have no more love to give, that's when God will send you someone that will be the hardest person to love. Why does God do this? Same thing he wanted to taste in Abraham. 
You wanted to see, will you give me, even if after this you have nothing left? Because then the relationship is truly master and slave, king and servant. If we try to bargain with God, we've not made him king, we've not made him master. You don't bargain with your master. Last week, Claude was um, preaching on the most important thing for us to do is to know God, to really know him, really intimately know him. And this is the words that God uses when he stops Abraham and he says, now I know you back. Now I know you respond to me. The way I love you, that's the way you love me back. I know you don't withhold from me. You see, God didn't withhold his son. That was almost like a, a contract that eventually happened between God and Abraham. Because Abraham did not withhold his only son from God. And God, to the descendants of Abraham, never withhold his son from us. So faith leads to action. And this faith that leads to action is almost like, you can think of it, I, I think this is the best way I've ever heard of it, is um, think of it as your wedding ring. Because you don't wear your ring, well, you're not married because you wear a ring. You wear a ring because you're married. I can take this ring off, I'm still going to be married. And you might have no works, you still be saved. But I wear this ring to show that I am married. To show that I belong to someone. And our works leads to that. The love relationship we have with God, our works, our good works, lead us to show people. Claude was praying that, where, where's your God? How do we show people where our God is? And it's in good works that comes from faith, that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Last week, Claude shared on Matthew 19, verse 21. So this is the rich young ruler. Um, Jesus is talking to him. So Jesus says, come follow me. Just go sell all your stuff. And he just doesn't. Who's there already? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowfully. For he had great possessions. So if you want to be perfect, then go do this. He, was, he already had a checklist, but then Jesus said, okay, you lack one more thing. If you want to be absolutely perfect in your faith, go do this thing. Go sell your stuff. God was asking him to do something physically, not emotionally, not just say something. Physically, he had to go do something. And this is where we can raise the argument that God sometimes asks us to give up something and we can say, no, but God made me this way. I am good at what I'm doing. You think that guy got rich by not being good at what he was doing? He, he had to give up his identity. This was who he was. This is all he knew. And he didn't give that up for God. You know what the, the scariest thing for me is? You don't read that Jesus followed him and said, look, wait, wait, wait. Can we just, can we talk about this? Do you know who I am? This is, I'm the son of God asking you. Like these other guys, I've called them. One day they'll have this thing called the Bible and they'll have letters and my church will be shaped about around this. I mean, this guy had the opportunity to be named among the apostles. Jesus 
told him, follow me. Go get rid of the, the worldly stuff and follow me. He could have had his own book in the Bible. He could have written to a church, I think, pay the price, all for Christ. I mean, that could have, could have had a good slogan and everything. But nothing. We don't even know his name. I've, I've gone through the translations. I've gone through the Gospels. You don't read his name and you don't read of him again. That's a sad place to be, a forever example of if you don't do what Jesus told him. Jesus loved him. All the Gospels say Jesus looked at him and he loved him. So even though God loves us, he will ask us to do something that will cause us to give up towards him. We not withhold from him. And so Jesus didn't follow after him and, and try and convince him. But Jesus left him with the words, if you want to be perfect. Now we're back in James 2 verse 22. As Ruby read, verse 22 says, I'm reading from the New King James in this one. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? That's Abraham's works. And by works, faith was made perfect. Some translations will say perfect. Some translations will say completed. Same thing. All comes back to that original word, and I'm, I can't pronounce that word. Same word. Perfect. So Abraham's faith was actively working alongside him. His faith didn't remain in, in his house where he was doing his Bible study or praying. No, his faith was active alongside him. Abraham had active faith and in it being active in his faith leading him to do stuff his faith was perfected that's a that's a bargain for you to end up how would you like to end up with your faith i'd like it to be perfected i think the day we will have that is when you stand before jesus and hear him say well done well done you you will not hear it in this world in this world we will fail time after time after time but if we don't give up, if we work at this, work at it, and let our faith be active alongside us, we will one day have the amazing privilege of hearing God say, well done, you did it. James isn't just really speaking about the poor. He's telling us that we should live completely surrendered lives to Jesus. That our faith would be so active working alongside us that when he calls we answer. That when he says go, we go. And when, when he says stay, we stay. That's even sometimes harder to stay when we want to go. And I think it's beautiful what God was doing through our worship today because we're all at different stages. We're all at different places in our lives where at this moment God is maybe giving Claude a work and he's not putting that same obstacle in front of Timmy or SJ or whoever. Not yet anyway. But we're all at different points. Our works at this point is all different. And maybe there's something God has put on your heart for a long time. Or today during worship. And it's, it's like getting a, a, a next checkpoint. That you need to do this now for me. I want you to do this. I want you to give up this. I want you to, to change into this or move to there. Or whatever the case may be. That's between you and God. But we don't park as Christians. We don't arrive to a place where I believe in Jesus and I'm saved now and that's good. No. No, all the, 
people of faith. I mean, this list that James is using is the very same list in Hebrews where he calls them the heroes of our faith. And he also has Abraham in there. It took him to give up the, the very promise God gave him, the identity. He was going to be the father of all nations. And God asked him, okay, but give that up for me. I, I really, I've gone through that so many times and I thought this story could have been so much just different. I mean, can you imagine the emotional damage done to that poor child lying there and his dad's got the knife? And, but he saw it through because he knew God gave him that son in the first place. What on earth will you try and keep that rich man? How did, in his mind, if he knew this was Jesus, the Messiah, I mean, he was asking Jesus, how do I spend the rest of eternity with you? That was his question. Internal life. How do I get that? And Jesus says, okay, well, go give up that stuff and follow me. How did that argument in his head go with himself? Because you're not taking your riches with you. I'm not taking, I had this Bucky I loved passionately. That Bucky was like part of our testimony where we come, came from and they had the accident in Mozambique and everything. And so I loved this Bucky. But this Bucky did not suit our lifestyle for church. I couldn't fit all the teenage girls in the back of that Bucky along with the sound equipment and the teenage boys. So we prayed about this. And I thought, I'm going to sell the golf and I'll have two Buckies. That's going to be perfect. But it just didn't work out. And eventually God told me, I'm going to take that thing that's your identity. I had a classic Hilux with a good story and some awesome photos. That Bucky, as a part of being a mechanic, was kind of my identity. It was part of our family. When people asked me, will you ever sell that Bucky? I said, no, that's family. I'm never selling that Bucky. Well, I'm not here today with that Bucky anymore. And stupid is worldly things. But how do we weigh this up? What in the world can we weigh up? with God and our eternal life. And so I'm not saying we should prove to the world that we are Christians. But I think in a way, I, th I am telling us to, we should prove to the world we are Christians. If we confess our faith, then that faith should be leading us to make decisions, to live a lifestyle that is completely just mind-blowing to the rest of the world watching us. Why would you do this? Why would you... Give up a home and go into a mission trip. Why would you be broke because you're spending all your time with the church instead of, I mean, you're good at what you do, just go make some more money. Or why would you open your house and have it ruined every Friday night by awesome teenagers? I get teruggekom, okay? I can it's awesome. And I'm, these are small things. Opening your house to people, that's small. We should be living a life that people are watching. I mean, imagine what the people would have thought of Abraham. They all should have kind of known he's going. I mean, they've been watching him. He's been giving sacrifices to God. And here he goes with a knife and his son to go do an offering to God. It must have been suspicious. So they were watching him. And when he came back, he was a different man. When the world is watching us, is your life, is my life, that's, that's how I ended up here, is my life a good sermon? If people don't see me on Sundays, if they only see me from Monday to Saturday, is my life, by not speaking, being a good sermon? Is my life a good preek as mense kyk? 
Kan mense sien dat ek glo, of moet ek hulle vertel dat ek glo? Can, can people tell by the choices you are making, by the, the way you are spending your time, your treasures? Does that reflect, does that reflect what you, what you say you believe? So I'm not sharing with you an amazing sermon or any hidden secrets. I'm only really reading you a verse and telling you my, my battle with this. Because we should be living in a way that our faith is actively working alongside us. And so I feel that the worship actually said it all. Where are you today? Just, just hear God's voice. Where are you today? What has been that thing that God's been asking you? Maybe to give up. That you have found your identity in this. This is who I am. This is what I'm good at. No, what if God asks you to lay that down? Even just for a season. How do you weigh up battling, giving something up to the God of God, the King of Kings? Why do we battle to give up something to Him? He's the only one we're going to face when we lay our heads down. Not your anything you can build up. Nothing we can build up in this life. And we read the stories of amazing testimonies of people who have done amazing things. People who have started ministries. People who are famous for laying their lives down. And we, we think that's a good story. That, I wish I had faith like that. No, they had faith that led to actions. If we say we believe, we should first start the work in ourselves. Because... You're not leading anyone anywhere if you're lost yourself. We start the work in our own lives. We start working at it. The Bible says work at your own salvation. Work. Fix the stuff in yourself that needs fixing. If you, Cranston, if you buy a car, a project car, and you need this car to be something specific, you take it as a project and you strip it down and you put in the correct parts. When we come to Christ and we say God make me a new creation make me the new man that's the promise when we come to him the old is gone the new has come but then I want to keep that part and I want to keep this part and I want to do this no allow God to strip us down completely and say well I'm taking that and I'm taking that because I need to add some different stuff to you and it's challenging for us but that that's that's about it that's that's about Who's the master and who's the slave? Who's the king and who's the servant? If we are still willing to change and we're, we're at a good place, but if you're not willing to give some stuff up and the elders come or even your brothers and sisters in your community come knocking on your door and say, hey man, I've been seeing this in your life. I don't think that's Jesus. That's re not reflecting Jesus very well. We should be inviting those conversations, not slamming the door and, and say, well, this is who I am. That's what I'm good at. God made me good in this way. No. No, we need to shape each other. We need to be humble enough to change and willing to change. God, you are so, so awesome. You're such an amazing God. And Lord, teach us to wonder have the, the words that you spoke to, to Abraham. I said, I've, I've seen you. You don't withhold from me. Teach us by your spirit and lead us by your spirit to not withhold anything from you, Lord. Anything. Not, not keep some stuff in our secret, but give you everything wholeheartedly, Lord. We will follow you completely with everything that we have.
teach us, Lord. Teach us to give up the things we need to give up and give us courage. Give us courage by your spirit to give up the things that we need to leave behind. That's not honoring you. That's not reflecting you. Teach us to live as your son did. Wholeheartedly. Giving everything. Even if it means the last drop of our blood. And I pray that you will reveal to each of us. Because everyone is different at this point. This work we call Christianity. Lord we are all in different stages. And I pray that you will reveal to us. What our next step is. I pray that you will even give us courage to go to our brothers and our sisters in faith and ask them, what do you think I should be giving up? How can I be more like Jesus? I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would come and you would teach us. And then for those, Lord, who have not even met you, who do not even know if you are their king, I pray that you will, that you will make this personal today, that you will come into our hearts speak to us and just give us the the courage to completely finally give up our lives towards you to finally say okay i'm going to give this god a try he must be good if people were willing to give up their family their sons their lives and this god must be good i pray that you will lead us into this reveal yourself by your spirit to those who do not know you today here and even also as we stand here to the rest of these people in this town that do not know you and do not follow you wholeheartedly, I pray that you will reveal yourself in Jesus' name.